Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that harkens back to the days of calling cards, collect calls, and insert 25 cents for three more minutes. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from my uh, home recording off uh, recording studio built here in my house in Huntersville, North Carolina. Kind of lost where I live. Uh, anyway, in this week's show, we will have another Ask the Pipe Maker segment with pipe maker Jeff Grasick. And then my guest tonight is Chance Whittemore of Great Estate Pipes on eBay. Uh, kind of an all-California yeah, all California guest. And then music, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, you know, we're right in the middle of March Madness here in North Carolina. So I'm kind of doing my own March Madness here at home. Uh, what am I doing it with? I'm doing it with my pipes. Yeah, I've got pipes that I pipes that I absolutely collect and love. I've got my Disney World pipes, but out of my smoking pipes, like the the pipes in my rotation, well, they've kind of gotten out of control. It's been about a year, year and a half since uh, since I really did the big looking around and purging of stuff, and that's what I'm getting ready to do. I've got them all set out. I've been smoking through them again, and it's time. It's time. By uh, by the time this show goes out, yeah, you know, the next day there will be a box on its way, and uh, I'm just going to turn them all into into credit. So, uh, you know, hopefully my my goal with this again, if I if I've got a pipe that I haven't smoked in a year or two, I'm picking it up, smoking it, and figuring out why I haven't smoked it in a year or two. And just trying to just trying to keep the pipe collection down around 50, 60 pipes. So uh, either way, you know, what will end up happening is I'll probably have a good size credit and then uh, maybe go, you know, maybe take uh, uh, 12 pipes and turn them into three really wonderful ones. Or I don't know. We'll see what happens. I may load up on some more tobacco. Yeah. Hard to say, but uh, anyway, it's kind of like March Madness because I'm sitting down there and looking at pipes and going, well, this one, that one, this one, that one. Anyway, it's my own bracket game, but I've, I've definitely got 40 or so that uh, that aren't going anywhere. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for another edition of Ask the Pipe Maker is the pipe maker Jeff Grasick. Jeff, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. All right, so Steve Davenport writes, are you ready? I am ready. Hit me. Just read an article on the Pipes Magazine website that gave me some hope. The article mentioned that an unseasoned bowl can be a source of gurgle or moisture. Uh, if there's no cake to absorb moisture, it has nowhere to go than other, to, other than to accumulate in the bottom of the bowl or in the airway. Uh, mm -hmm. the, a particular pipe of his didn't have a bowl coating and he's a, a long way from having anything built up and he's having some gurgle issues. So he says, guess I'll just have to smoke it every chance I get for a while and see if it gets better. So I wanted your thoughts and, and mm -hmm. you know, maybe a little bit of history or background on bowl coating because there's this controversy always of, you know, is bowl coating are you covering up secrets? What are you doing? Yeah. You know, does it, if you put in to a bowl coat, coat or not to coat? Yes. Yeah. So go for it. Does bowl coating affect the moisture building up in the bottom of the bowl in your opinion? No, it does not. <laughs> okay. Next subject. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Easy peasy. There we go. Yeah. 
No, I mean, I think it's a really it's a good question. And it's one that I've heard for years and years. Um, it's typically this this conversation is one that that happens a lot with people who are relatively new to um, pipe smoking and particularly new to pipe making because there's a big concern. You, you know, customers have strong opinions and you want to create pipes. Uh, if you're wise, you want to create pipes that people want to buy. And so you <laughs> you would be wise to pay attention to the opinions that are out there. Um, and so when I was starting out, there was a, a there was a strong pull to not coat the bowls and others who said that's nonsense. Um, you want to coat them and here are the reasons why. Um, I became convinced that coating the bowls was the way to go. And the reasons that I do it uh, are primarily aesthetic. Um, I just think it looks better. Um, the other, uh, the other more peripheral reasons for me are that it causes the first few smokes to be somewhat neutral. Um, so you don't really taste the burning of the briar that takes place on the inside. Some people like that. Some people don't. Uh, I've kind of chosen what I like to do. And, and, uh, if people don't like that, I am happy to make them a pipe with no bowl coating. Um, <laughs> or, to, or, yeah, or I'm stand not, I'm next. not religious about it. It's will, not a big deal. Will you stand next to them and burn wood for their first bowl? So yeah, I mean, if they want that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can maybe smoke some uh, some pork ribs uh, over briar. <clears throat> um, so the other question that was in there, Brian, uh, was about like, do pipe makers are are they coating bowls to cover flaws? Um, you know what? If a pipe maker's covering flaws, like is is using the bowl coating to cover flaws, that's a big problem. Uh, most pipe makers that I know wouldn't do that. Um, the reason is that eventually that flaw is going to, uh, you know, it's going to raise its head and the pipe's going to burn out. And, um, any pipe maker worth his salt is not going to leave the smoker, um, who owns the pipe, uh, it's not going to hang him out to dry. That's a pipe maker problem. Um, I don't cover any flaw that, that would, uh, uh, be an issue. I mean, there might be a little tiny pinprick here or there, but those are the kinds of things that would be visible inside a, uh, an uncoated bowl. Anyway, things that don't affect the smoke, don't affect the durability of the pipe. It's, uh, not a big deal. Um, so no, uh, no good pipe maker is intentionally covering flaws with uh, bowl coating. Um, so to return to the original question was about moisture though, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, does it or does it not affect the moisture content? I, like I said, it doesn't. I, I don't think that it does. My experience has been that it does not affect moisture content. Uh, the bowl coating is so extremely thin. I mean, it's it's like a layer of paint uh, in terms of thinness that there's just not enough uh, surface area for it to absorb any substantial amount of moisture. But what does affect moisture content uh, or collection is the shape of the tobacco chamber yep. and the type of tobacco that you're smoking and also the engineering of the, uh, the or that's the fancy way to put it, uh, the, the diameters and sizes of the uh, airways. Um, so if you get a pipe, if you get a tobacco chamber bowl that is round, the rounder it is on the bottom, the less likely it is to gurgle. And the reason for that is that you're going to be have it's going to be a greater surface area on the bottom for that moisture to collect. The moisture that's in the tobacco and in the atmosphere will naturally condense and it will be present in the bottom of a bowl. Um, and the more surface area you can give it to spread out over, the better. Because if you get one that's more pointed or um, it comes to a narrower area on the bottom of the bowl, well, the the uh, moisture is going to follow, uh, gravity is going to pull it down towards <laughs> yeah. the airway and, and then you'll have a single collection point. Yeah. It, it's going to find the lowest common denominator and fill up there. Yeah, exactly. That's the, see, uh, we should just let you answer this because you get to the point. Well, let me answer it too. Cause I have the solution. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So what I've, what I've seen in a couple of my pipes that have a little bit of a moisture in the bottom of the bowl issue, and I'm a slobbering wet smoker. Yeah, okay. that's all there is to it. I'm a wet smoker. Yeah. I use a pipe cleaner during the pipe, and I run the pipe mm -hmm. cleaner all the way down into the bottom of the bowl, and that right. grabs the moisture. But in when when you were talking about the the more narrow or pointed bottoms of you know bowl bottoms, 
mm-hmm. it's harder for a pipe maker to nail that draft hole hitting directly into the bottom of the bowl. So you get a little bit of a dip down below it. Uh, mm, yeah, and then then it's a really narrow collection point. Then it's a really narrow collection point. Um, I will say that you know once you build up a cake in the pipe and you get the pipe, yeah, you get mm-hmm. some, you get a caked up, you get a really good caked up pipe that the bowl walls and the cake will help grab some of the moisture. Mm-hmm. But still. I, you know, I still use a pipe cleaner a couple times yeah. during each bowl. And I know you've picked, mm-hmm. you've picked on me at pipe shows for having the pipe cleaner behind my left ear and wondering what it was doing back there. <laughs> well, it's because it was a dirty pipe cleaner. <laughs> well, that's how I dye my hair black again slowly is by running dirty <laughs> pipe cleaners through the grays on the side. But uh, lovely. And, and I'm cheap. I use both ends of the pipe cleaner. So, I, you know, yeah, you should. You know, that that's my, you know, look, money don't grow on trees and pipe cleaners don't come out of faucets. Um, but uh, I use two pipe cleaners. Should be cleaners. a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah, now available at your favorite Etsy shop. Um, I, you know, I use one pipe cleaner during the bowl and I use both ends of it to run all the way mm-hmm. into the stem, all the way down in the bowl. And this goes back to what we talked about a couple times ago about making mm-hmm. sure that I can get a pipe cleaner you know, making sure that a pipe passes a pipe cleaner. Um, I need that pipe cleaner to get all the way down to the bottom of the bowl because right, of right. because of the moisture content of the tobacco that I smoke and the, the fact that I'm a slobbering fool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need it to get in there. And there are some pipes that are just wetter than others. And that's just... That, that's know. true. I mean, all other things being equal, uh, you... You know, if you have five pipes out, you can identify which one typically smokes uh, drier uh, than the others. Correct? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I, so, I think I think what's often missed in in these um, conversations, and I've heard this uh, w- with uh, a, a lot of people, they talk about their pipes and they uh, how pipes certain pipes smoke wet, and for there there is some control that pipe makers have over that, and that's primarily in the way like the way that uh, the pipe is made through the the shape and dimensions of the tobacco chamber and the airways. But besides that, there are the other factors, right? You've got the pipe smoker, which you've said, hey, I'm a wet smoker. Some people are, and then you need to, you can't really blame the pipe maker for all of that. Um, the other two uh, factors are the moisture of the tobacco itself. Uh, that will cause the the yeah. pipe to smoke wet and also the moisture, like the humidity of the area in which you're smoking it. So you live in North Carolina, right? Yeah. And it's typically more humid there. And so I would imagine that you'll notice that certain, that the same pipe and the same tobacco will smoke differently in your home and uh, in North Carolina than it would in Las Vegas, right? Absolutely. The summertime in mm-hmm. Las Vegas screws up my routine, something fierce, because I have to bring my wintertime dryer, you know, my, my tobaccos that are more used to drier air. Yeah, yeah. And they're, you know, you're just going to, you have to account for these other um, variables uh, when smoking a pipe. I, I have heard of uh, of collectors, you know, getting a little upset with pipe makers for, for things that may or may not be the responsibility of the pipe makers. That being said, as a pipe maker, I think it's important to listen to your customers and uh, try to see, hey, where do I have responsibility? Where can I learn? Where can I improve my process? You can learn from all these experiences, even if it is to say, oh, in this particular circumstance, I think that it's something else. But that's, you know, information that helps you in the future. Yeah. And I'll and I'll sum it up for wrap this up for Steve with his question about the pipe. Um, yeah, work through it, keep a pipe cleaner handy, work the bottom of the, you know, work the pipe cleaner into the bowl to keep it moist and just keep smoking the pipe and see if it, see if it doesn't get better for you. Uh, if you Mm -hmm. enjoy the taste you're getting out of the pipe and you just know that you have to deal with a little pipe cleaner now and then great. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't. Well, and the other thing I'll add to that, uh, Brian is look, there are a lot of pipes in the world. Um, if this pipe isn't smoking the way that he wants it to smoke. Well, I would say let it go and get another one. Absolutely. I've done that several times, and it's not the fault mm-hmm. of the pipe maker. It's not the fault of the pipe. It's not the fault of the pipe smoker. It's just not a perfect marriage. That's it. That's it. Jeff, thanks for uh, coming on and doing this again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. 
A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me is someone you may not know by name, but if you've been to a pipe show, you've seen him, and if you've been on eBay, you've seen him. Uh, Chance Whittemore, better known as uh, Great Estate Pipes on eBay. Chance, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right, so you, so everybody that's seen you knows that you've got a killer beard, and that's all we know about you. So... Let's get to know you, and I know a little bit about you, and it frustrates me, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> where did you grow up? Where didn't I grow up? Uh, <laughs> well, mostly I grew up in Kentucky, uh, but I kind of moved around a bit while I was there. Uh, I lived in Florida for a while. I lived in Arkansas for a while. I lived in Washington State for a while, um, and then also in California, kind of, you know, all, all over Southern California. Were you in the witness protection program or military, Brat? Well, uh, your first guess is, is, is closer to correct. Uh, <laughs> you know, my father uh, lived on another side of the law. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> and so he moved around a lot. I, I don't <laughs> blame you. Um... So, uh, you know, after my folks got divorced, uh his first wife was always trying to find him, and he was always trying not to be found. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I went where he went. And then, you know, my mom went back to California after uh, after they divorced. And so I went back and forth, and her being a single mom with four kids, uh, she kind of moved around a bit until she settled down. And so I just kind of was all over the place. And you've settled. You've settled down now in Southern California, right near Disneyland. Yeah, yep. I can see the fireworks pretty much every night, nine thirty. Yeah. Okay. Rub it in. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, you know I won't do that. Yeah. Okay. What did you want to be when you grew up, and have you grown up yet? Well, uh, I never thought I was going to be into pipes. I'll tell you that. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, I don't really know what I wanted to be. What did I want to be? Uh, well, a musician for, uh, a good long while. In fact, I was one for a while. Um, from the time I was 14 until I was almost 30, um, 29. Uh, that's kind of what I did. Uh, I was in a few different bands, had some amount of success, uh, toured the country, went to Europe, uh, was on two different labels, uh, but never really made a lot of money at it other than just having a lot of fun. And then one day you wake up and you get married and you realize uh, this doesn't pay the bills. It never has. All right, so, so. Ba- well, back up. You got to give us details. What what instrument did you play? What were the band's names, and what kind of music? Uh, well, probably not bands that many people have heard of. Um, but uh, I started off playing bass in my first band. It was a hardcore band uh, that was in California. Well, all my bands were in California at that point. But uh, there's a band called Hold True. And we did that for a number of years, and bass has always kind of been as an instrument. It's my first love, you could say, although uh, eventually I found myself playing guitar in the last band that I was in, which was a band called Sum of One. And I did that for, oh, eight, ten years. And in between there, I was in another band called Bonesaw, which is another hardcore band here in Southern California, and that's a band that uh, uh, toured Europe with, was on the label i don't know if that label's even around anymore but uh uh, lost and found records i I hate to tell you this but they don't make records anymore 
Yeah, I know, right? It's... Well, actually, no. Actually, that's not true anymore. Well, uh, records, records are making a huge comeback. Yeah, but right? every all the really popular bands are just you know just release an album, wait two months, uh, release a song, wait two months, release another song, wait two months, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, vinyl has actually become quite a thing again these days. Yeah, no, and and pipes are coming back. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I don't quite understand it. People talk about, uh, you know, how much better low end they have, and how much of this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but that's just compression. You can do that with an effect and get the, you know. You know but what are you going to do? Hey, listen, whatever makes them happy. That's right. You know, if you know, people want to listen to music how they want to listen to music, and that's that's great. That's fine. I love music so it, it's my that's it, why i did it for so long yeah and my and my thing with you know with pipe smoking whatever you enjoy you figure out it you figure out what it is you enjoy it you do it with music same thing just don't play it in your car so that i can so that it's rattling my jaw in the car next to me right yeah. right yeah just that's it that's all i ask um, yeah it's, it's like not blowing smoke in somebody's face yeah, well, you can do that if it's really good smoke. I don't mind that. But if it's Latakia, then forget it. I don't want that. But. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> um, when did, uh, when did, when did, how did pipe smoking come into your life and when? Well, uh, I think you know, but maybe you don't. Uh, I, uh, one of the places I lived the longest while I was living in Kentucky was on a tobacco farm. Oh. Uh, when my uh, folks were still married, uh, we moved out to Kentucky when I was three and dad bought a farm and we were tobacco farmers in fact uh last year i took a trip with my kids out back out to kentucky to kind of show them where i grew up and i showed them the you know our hanging barn where we dried everything and showed them where the tobacco used to grow and explained to them why this particular piece of land was so good because it was right on the kentucky river and Every year, the river would overflow its banks and deposit all that new silt right there on the ground. And yeah, so we always had good, rich uh, soil. We didn't have to rotate crops. Wow! So you actually, and you actually worked out in the field, you know, like every, yeah. like everybody would in a on a farm. You know, all hands yeah, I, on deck when it's harvest time. Yeah, I stripped it, I hung it, I uh, you know ran up the barn and hung the tobacco sticks. You know, which are you know. For us, we're about six feet long, and I showed them pictures of the barn. You know, I, I took took the kids inside the barn. I said, "See how about every six feet, there's a you know another layer of of uh, posts that go across." And they're like, "Yeah, I'm like that. Well, that's because that's where we would hang everything, and that's about how long the sticks were." And I showed them there was actually a few sticks still sitting there in the barn. Huh. So I showed them what it was, and kind of showed them how we used to tie the leaves around the. I mean, I didn't have any leaves, but I you no. Know, get it in the air just that you, know, you pick it and you put it on there and you tie it around and just kind of gave him an idea of what it was we did when i was a kid uh, was it like 22 to 26 leaves per hand that was tied on oh good lord i don't <laughs> now you're asking me questions i yeah. don't remember like i was i was little then <laughs> i mean all we knew is we... chance was small enough to climb all the way up in there and hang those sticks <laughs> right <laughs> Oh, good. That had to be great to take him back there and show the and show your family that. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, kids got to play next to the river for a little while, which was a lot of fun. You know, it's it's kind of weird, you know, taking your kids to show them, you know, how I grew up because how I grew up is so far different than what they grew up in. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Orange County, California doesn't look anything like that. No, no. In fact, uh, when we first moved there, we didn't have running water. We had a well that we would go out and have to hand crank uh, to pull the water up, and that's where we bathed. That's uh, you know, that was our source of water. We had an outhouse. All right, um, and and remind people, you're not ninety years old either. You're no, what forty something? Forty six. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, <laughs> so we're we're not talking about you know the depression era here. We're talking. No. We're, we're talking, talking 40 years ago. We're talking the 70s, yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now answer the original question. When did you when did you start smoking a pipe? <laughs> well, I started smoking a pipe when I was 30. Okay, so you uh, waited a little bit from working on the farm. Well, I smoked tobacco or <laughs> I started smoking cigarettes a lot younger than that. Yeah. Uh, I started smoking cigarettes actually when I was 8 years old. Mm. 
Well, that's um, Kentucky. You know, that's Kentucky. Um, and I did that, uh, you know, I, I actually quit for a couple of years in, in my teenage years. Uh, you know, I told you I, I was in a hardcore band. We were a straight edge band, and so I wasn't allowed to smoke anymore. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm straight edge now. And so kind of stopped doing all that. Uh, and then when I was 19, I was like, you know, I miss cigarettes. <laughs> and so I went back to cigarettes. And I did that again for um, until I was 30. And then when I was 30, we found out that uh, my wife was pregnant. And when she got pregnant, I was like, yeah, I don't know that I really want to pass cigarettes on to my kids. Um, but I really love tobacco. I mean, I grew up with it. It's in my blood, you could say, almost. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't really willing to give up tobacco. I thought, well, I'll try a pipe as kind of a uh, way for me to enjoy tobacco without, you know, feeling like, you know, getting that, that, that I'm jonesing for nicotine feeling that uh, I would get when uh, you're down to your last cigarette and you're like, oh, I got to go to the store soon. I don't want to run out. <laughs> So uh, it, it took a, me about a year, it took me about a year to transition to a pipe full time, you know, permanently. Um, you know, it's kind of funny when I first started off. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to cheat. I'll uh, I'll put bugler in my pipe, and that way I still have cigarette tobacco, but it's in a pipe." <laughs> yeah, how'd that work out? <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it you know, in looking back, it really wasn't that good, but it got me used to the form of smoking a pipe and then after you know and for a while i was like i don't really know what i want to smoke though you know there's so many kinds of tobaccos out there and i really you know there was there was this uh pipe or no, a, a cigar a private cigar club slash retail store here i was living in fullerton down the street and uh so I went in there and I'm like, well, what kind of pipe tobacco do you have? And the guy's like, I don't know. I got these three cans over here. And I said, okay, give me one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I, I smoked that and it was not at all good. <laughs> I did not like it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I went to the drugstore and I tried some uh, Captain Black and that was a little better, but still not that great. And I really didn't know what kind of pipe tobacco I liked uh, for a little while. And then uh, a buddy of mine was going down to the tobacco barn. There's a little plug for them down in Lake Forest. Yep. And uh, he was going down there, and he's like, do you want me to pick anything up for you? And I'm like, yeah, give me some tobacco, but I'm not really sure what I want. Tell the guy I want something natural, something slightly sweet, um, you know, but and with not a lot of flavoring in it, you know, just – you know, tobacco with a little bit of sweetness to it. So he goes down there and he comes back. And what I was really looking for all of this time was something that smelled like our tobacco barn smelled. That's yeah. what I was looking for. And, and, and you know, to this day, I, I, like, I knew that smelled. I wanted, the, you know, I wanted something like that. So he goes down there and he comes back and he brings me this tin of tobacco. And I open it up and I take a big whiff and I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and I stuck, you know, a, a, a bowl full of it and I lit it up and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. Um, and that was Dunhill's Elizabethan mixture. <laughs> and it's been downhill ever since. But we're going to we're going to take a break right here. We're going to find out when uh, how does how does chance get from that to restoration and eBay? So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. 
but you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Chance Whittemore of Great Estate Pipes and uh, tobacco farmer and musician. So you, so you, not only do you play instruments well enough to be in a band that you know did some touring and recorded stuff, but you live right near the Disneyland fireworks where you can see them, and you can grow a better beard than I can. So that's just because nobody wants to see my face. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have the perfect face for radio, but um, anyway. Um, all right. So, how do we get to you uh, opening up an eBay store and doing all your eBay stuff? Well, uh, that started because uh, at one point I had three pipes. I had one that I got from my grandfather, which that has an interesting story about it to it. But I'll get to that later if you want. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, one that I bought, a basket pipe from uh, a uh, tobacco shop local here, and then another one that was given to me, and I had a little pouch that I kept them in, and I was going to meet a friend of mine at a coffee shop, and uh, was taking a bunch of stuff out to the car, and I set my bag down on top of the car, and I put all the stuff in, and then forgot that I left it up there. Oh, no. And I lost all three of my pipes, and... Uh, that was kind of a bummer because I was, you know, not married for that long and we didn't have a lot of money and I definitely didn't have money to uh, be buying pipes with. So uh, I was kind of bummed, you know, I'd made this transition to a pipe and I had no pipes and somebody in the pipe club that I was in was like, well, you know, you can get some cheap pipes on eBay. Uh oh. And I was like, eBay, you mean like a used pipe? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, that's gross. <laughs> and, and he says, no, 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 you can clean them up and you, you can make them so that they, you know, smoke like a new pipe. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, people do it all the time. I'm like, um, all right. So I got some money for my birthday at 90 bucks and I bought three pipes on eBay. I bought a Stanwell. Uh, a Lorenzo and a Sheraton Belvedere. Ooh. And although people keep telling me that, uh, and I should, you know, I should know this being a member of the uh, International Sheraton Collector Society, uh, that it's pronounced, it's now been told to me that we're supposed to pronounce it Cheriton. Cheriton. But anyways, Cheriton, yes. Yes, Cheriton. Uh, yeah, well, you know. But uh, old habits die hard, yeah. and so they still keep saying Sheraton. But anyways, I got three pipes, and uh, I cleaned them all up. You know, I just kind of looked online on, you know, on the interwebs to uh, figure out how to do that. And uh, I did the best job that I could figure out how to do based on what I was reading. And uh, when I was done, I was like, wow, these look great, you know. <laughs> They're probably worth a lot more than my 90 bucks I put into them. And uh, that idea just kind of sat in the back of my mind for uh, another year or so. But, uh, you know, I had, my th I had three pipes to smoke at least. And, uh, but as things go, as I said, we didn't have a lot of money, which meant that we didn't have a lot of tobacco money. Yeah. I had the pipes, but, uh, you know, I had to buy tobacco to put in it. So uh, I thought... I remember that, you know, having that thought, I know what I could do. I could buy some old pipes and clean them up and sell them. And, uh, you know, with the extra money, I could uh, buy some tobacco. And that way I don't have to take it out of our money because we were living off of one income. Um, you know, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. And uh, so that's what I started doing just kind of as a hobby and something to do while I was, while I was smoking my pipe. Uh, in order to earn a little money for tobacco. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's funny, looking back, I, I, I look at those first three pipes I did, and I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I did such <laughs> a terrible job. You know, I thought they looked great, but, you know, back then I didn't really, you know, really know what I was doing other than, you know, like I said, what I read on the interwebs. And uh, so I just kind of started doing it and cleaning up pipes and, 
eventually a couple of the guys in my pipe club were like, Hey, you're getting pre- pretty good at that. Would you clean some up for me? And so then I, you know, did some restoration work for them and that paid me. And I was like, Oh, that's another way that, you know, I could make money. So I just kind of started rolling with that. Um, I, uh, went out to, uh, Paul Hildebrand's place, uh, you know, the, uh, pipe makers emporium of late yeah uh, you know sad to see them go uh but uh went out and uh did some training with him as far as uh you know repair work and that kind of stuff and uh you know but uh, one of the biggest helps for me in learning how to do that was uh paul perry uh yeah and and he taught me some things but the biggest piece that i learned from paul perry and I think to me, the most important when it comes to pipe restoration is uh, knowing what you're restoring it to. You know, there's a lot of people that can clean a pipe, but actually restoring a pipe, you know, it's, you know, anybody can take an old vintage car and make it look clean, but does it look like it did when it rolled off the showroom floor? Sure. For that, you kind of need to know what it looked like then. And uh, and that's that's where Paul has, has been uh, an immense immense bit of help for me you know i'm not allowed to say how old he is but he's older than god i think he turned 100 recently uh he's he's pretty close yeah I'll say that uh, and 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 he and margaret they're still very dear friends of mine um but uh he is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to you know knowing what old pipes are and were and you know how to construct them so that they work the way that they did and, you know, staining techniques. And he's also a pipe maker, but, you know, he's learning under him is, has, has just, it's it, immensely uh, helpful. Yeah. So when you're, when you're doing a restoration, you need to know, all right, this 1930s Dunhill, you need to know what color it was in the 1930s, not what color it is if I clean it now. Right, right, because it's not always the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you look at Dunhills. I mean, their Briere finish, I mean, it, it's gone from being bright red uh, to, to almost a, 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 you know, a, a dark brown to uh, a burgundy to... I mean, it's had all different kinds of, of shades over the years. And if you want it to look like it did when it was original, then you have to know what it was yeah. at that time. Uh, and, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, if, if, if you're talking about doing a restain, if somebody wants you to do a restain, then, then uh, you know, you got to know what your, what your goal is. You know, it's not enough just to uh, make it look. You don't want a, a 1970s, you know, uh, Briere to look like a 1920s Briere because those are two very different looking pipes. Yeah, so so you've actually figured out and through time and everything learned uh, exactly how to bring them back to yeah you know, not what they not, not just clean but what they should have looked like the day they came out of uh, Alfred's little factory. Yeah, yeah, and that that's that's the goal in restoration. I mean, you you can't always get it perfect because you know you're you're always dealing with what you've got you know if somebody's burnt something you can't put it back you know <laughs> if so if somebody's opened up an airway you can't close it back you know so there's only so much that you can do sometimes but uh within the realm of what's possible um you know knowing what your end goal is certainly you know and having that knowledge certainly helps so when did this become a a full-time job for you well i like i said i was doing it as a hobby for a little while and you know i started off doing this you know when i was doing it as a hobby i i I borrowed two hundred dollars from our savings and i bought a couple of buffing wheels that i was chuck mounting into a drill a variable speed drill and uh some basic compounds and whatnot and that's how I started. It was with 200 bucks and I had enough left over that I bought a group of pipes on eBay. Uh, and I bought a lot of them. Um, and that $200, by the time I sold that group of pipes, um, which I purchased for $57, um, 
that $57 worth of pipes that I bought turned into uh, a little over 300. And so I paid back our savings and I had a hundred bucks to buy more pipes with. And so <laughs> that's how I started doing it as a hobby. And I did that for three or four years, just as, you know, like I said, something to buy tobacco with. And then my wife got pregnant again. Uh-oh. Uh, How'd that happen? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so she got pregnant again. But, you know, when she uh, gave birth to our first child, uh, she quit working. And she had great insurance then, which paid for our entire birth um, with a midwife. And, uh, you know, but we didn't have that for our second one. And, you know, the deductible on my insurance was $4,000. Uh-oh. So I was like. Yeah, and I'm looking at like, okay, so if we do a hospital birth, I can pay $4,000. If we do the midwife, you know, she's only going to charge us $3,200. This is, you know, back then, midwives are more expensive now. But, uh, and I was like, well, either way, I still got to come up with more than $3,000. (laughs) And uh, I was like, well, I've never actually done enough pipes to make real money. Let me give that a try. And so I started doing more of it and, I uh, set aside $500 a month for seven months, the last seven months of her pregnancy, and that paid for our midwife. And that was the first time I ever actually took an income from what I was doing. Um, <laughs> you know, before that, it was just, like I said, it was it was tobacco money and it was a hobby. So, um, so wait, you went from cleaning pipes to pay for tobacco to cleaning pipes to pay for baby. Right. Yeah. You know, and and then baby was born and I'm like, well, you know, I could still bring in 500 bucks a month. Um, That'd be great. And that's when I started thinking, well, now I've got two kids and we want to have more. And, you know, I live here in Southern California where houses (laughs) are really expensive. No, that's cheap to live there. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so the idea was, well, what if I took that 500 and added that to what I'm making now and you know, maybe we could buy a house someday for all these kids that I want to have. So I, I, I did that, and we started looking for a house and realized I wasn't even close. Uh, and then I got a promotion at work, you know, because I had a day job at the time. So uh, I was like, well, with the promotion money and the money from the pipes and, you know, uh, my regular, you know, I can maybe shoehorn us into a house. And so we bought a little house here. And then uh, within a month of buying the house, I got laid off. Oh, I I thought you were going to say she was pregnant again. (laughs) No, 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 not not quite. That was pretty soon afterwards. But, uh, yeah, within a month of of buying our house, I got laid off. And I'm like, (sighs) so I just bought a house, you know, counting on this, you know, income that I'm getting. And now I'm not getting that anymore. And I remember back to the last time I was looking for a job, which was right after I uh, got a bachelor's degree. And I thought, oh, man, I've got a bachelor's degree. Now I'm really going to make the money. And I spent the next six months looking for a job that paid anything and, you know, basically never found one that paid really good that I was hoping to get into. So uh, and that became the day job that I worked for the next number of years. So I was like, now what? You know, I don't want to lose my house. So I can either spend another six months looking for a job um, and hope that it pays as good as what I was making before, or I can try doing this full time. And so that's what I did. Uh, We decided that I would uh, go for doing it full time. And, you know, all these years later, I'm still doing it. Your wife is a courageous person. Well, I think it was what I think was the <laughs> fact that uh, with pipes, I knew I could make immediate money as opposed to <laughs> uh, money down the road that might turn up if I find a job. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been on eBay for, I don't know, 150 years now. It's great estate pipes on eBay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get into your family a little bit because, you know, I think it's really cool. You have uh, and and. Yeah, you know, correct me if I'm wrong in saying this, but you have some of your you have some biological kids, and then you've adopted some, and then you yeah. foster some. Well, uh, 
foster uh, we were fostering uh, the state of California the way that they their laws are set up is they will not allow you to foster once you've got six children in the home um, and we're at six so we don't foster anymore uh, because we had three biologically and then we uh, fostered a number of kids and we are about a month or so away from finishing the adoption of uh, our third adoption uh, the other two were adopted and uh, we've got six in the house and so that's all the state will let us have <laughs> Well, so maybe it's time to move to another state, right? <laughs> or you to, or you and your wife could split up and then you could have six each. Right. <laughs> um, and then file separately. No, that's uh, that's taxes. Sorry. Sorry. That's where my mind is lately. Um, I understand that. And and you and of course, if yeah, if the state would let you, you'd have more. Yeah, we would. Uh, you know, uh, the only way that they would let us have more at this point if the, is if there was a sibling of, uh, you know, one of the kids that we adopted that, you know, fell into the foster care system. Then they would call us and, you know, in, in the interest of keeping family together, they they would give us a call then and make it, you know, an exception for that kind of reason. But other than that, six is where they max out. Well, you, you've taken three kids out of the system completely and given them a home where they are welcomed and loved, and for that you have my deepest admiration. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's not always easy, but, uh, you know, neither is raising a child that you have the old-fashioned way, so. Yeah, and my admiration won't still won't help you feed them, but, you know, you've got it. Um <laughs> And and then just before we before we finish this up, do you have any fun eBay buyer stories? Because I always, you know, there there's I always I everybody that sells on eBay always has a story or two of some silly buyer that um, was uh, let's just say um, not keyed in on what the planet's like. <laughs> yeah. So you know the the, the most common ones. And these are the ones that drive me the most crazy is, you know, like I had a guy yesterday and uh, he writes me and he says, does this pipe take a six millimeter filter? <sighs> it's right there in the listing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you if you read it, you know, it's it's right there. Um, it, you know, all kinds of questions or, or, the you know, there's always the ones that you get that are non English speakers. Um, and that's sometimes interesting uh, just trying you know especially in germany it on uh, the pipes get translated as whistles yeah yeah so, so you know somebody will say you know what color is this whistle and I'm just like, what uh, <laughs> you know and then uh, okay he's from germany okay i know what that means <laughs> or something to that effect you know just very strange things sometimes um uh, one of, I don't have any. One of my I don't favorite have any underwear stories, but <laughs> I've had depends. Um, but one of my favorite German translation stories was walking around the town of Dortmund, Germany, after a trade show, and we walked by a restaurant that was had something written in German, and then in English it translated to Korean uh, Korean karaoke, and the name of the restaurant was Happy Happy Ding Dong. <laughs> and I asked the German person that we were with, and and she said, uh, "Yes, the this yeah, it's uh, it means a, a you know a, a place with happy sounds." <laughs> so, oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, no problem. I understand now. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I had somebody ask me once. Uh, this is kind of funny. Uh, I think what he was trying to ask me was, you know, how how large is you know the tobacco chamber um but what he wrote was and uh, was or at least how it was translated i don't know what he actually wrote but what, how it came out translated was how big is the hole and can i put my big thing in it <laughs> um, i'm sorry because everybody knows that uh, you know i any pipe that i like the minute i see it i ask you know can i pick it up and sure you know and then i stick my finger in the bowl to see right. if it'll fit because right. that's my that's my bowl measurement so 
Um, there's a few people out there that I've tortured with the thought that, yes, I've stuck my finger in their bowls before they bought the pipe because I know what pipe they ended up with. But <laughs> sticking, yes, I've never stuck my thing in it. I've stuck my finger in it. Right, right. You know, so uh, I, don't, I, I answered it the way that I thought he meant it. All right, on that note, Chance, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Uh, I think so. What is your favorite pipe? <sighs> okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, my favorite pipe is actually one of the first that I bought. Uh, it was a Lorenzo, believe it or not. Uh, and you know, I do have nicer pipes than you know a Lorenzo, but uh, it... It is the most forgiving pipe I have ever smoked. Uh, I can overstuff it. I can understuff it. Uh, it just delivers a great smoke every time. And I have other pipes that uh, mean a lot to me or that smoke really well. But uh, for some reason, that pipe just, uh, oh, I'm probably doing myself no favors by saying uh, I love a Lorenzo. But uh, there you have it. Hey, it may not be the most expensive pipe you have, but it's the one you like the most. It it just smokes the way that I want a pipe to smoke every time. And what is your favorite tobacco? <sighs> well, it used to be Elizabethan mixture, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but uh, I have really been enjoying uh, Rat Race Professional Mixture for a number of years now, and that's my big go-to. Although it's proving hard to find now, too. So. And what is your favorite drink? Favorite drink? I drink a lot of coffee. Amen. Um, you know, when you, when you clean pipes 70 hours a week, uh, you know, you need something to keep you going. And uh, I really enjoy coffee. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music, or is that just a stupid question for you considering you just said you clean pipes 70 hours a week and you got six kids? Well, uh, I prefer a book. Huh. Uh, I, I listen to a lot of audio books uh, while I'm working, um, but I do actually enjoy uh, the analog variety. Ooh. Paper cuts and all. Yeah, bring them. And then lastly, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory? And maybe uh, you can tell us the story of your great grandfather's pipe. That was exactly where I was going to go. Interesting. It came up here. Yeah. Um, it was actually my grandfather. Yeah. Uh, he uh, was uh, in the uh, Dutch military during World War II. And uh, he was captured by the Germans and put into a prison camp. And he escaped and made it almost all the way back home uh, before he was captured again. And uh, he eventually escaped again and made it home. They put him back in the military, and he, you know, uh, then was taken prisoner a third time oh, before God. the end of the war. And this pipe that I got from him, uh, which was actually passed down to me from uh, my dad, um, was uh was with him the entire time wow uh you know he, he he carried that pipe with him through uh and and managed to hold on to it through being captured three separate times and uh eventually gave that to my father and he passed it on to me and told me the story behind it and uh, man i wish i had that pipe still it really Makes me sad that, you know, somebody saw my little bag fly off the top of my car and picked oh, it up no. and probably, probably had no idea, you know, that there was any, you know, the other two pipes, you know, I, they, I could have let those go and not missed them that much. But I, I do miss that pipe. I have since uh, acquired another pipe that came from my grandfather, um, but uh, it's not the one that went through uh, prison camps with him, so... Wow. I figured it was that important to him, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to enjoy that pipe. So, yeah. well, <laughs> what was the pipe you lost? And maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll have the entire, uh, the entire pipes magazine radio show. All this was 15, 16 years ago when you lost it, but, uh, <laughs> what was it? We'll keep an eye out for it. <laughs> it, it was a gray bow, uh, apple. Oh, good luck. 
<laughs> yeah. And please don't send me green bell. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, unless it's that one, uh, which, you know, but, uh, you know, I missed that part. Ah, well, Chance, how do we get a hold of you if we just want to do some uh, restorations or maybe want you to sell something for us on eBay? Uh, you can get a hold of me at chance at greatestatepipes.com. C-H-A-N-C-E at greatestatepipes.com. So there's yeah. more than just one pipe there. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's at least two or three. And it's Great Estate Pipes on eBay and... Uh, do me a favor and stand outside tonight and watch the fireworks for me because I'm looking forward to it. I'll be there shortly. I can't wait. I get, <laughs> right. I get to go home we'll to do. Disneyland. Huh. There you go. Uh, I, I was, I actually went to Disneyland uh, uh, a couple months ago and I, I, I was thinking I needed to tell you cause you know, I've been here for all these years and I haven't been in forever. Uh, and you always get ma- you always get mad at me, but uh, I actually went a couple months ago and uh, took a photo of a picture there that they had of Mark Twain smoking a pipe. Yeah, oh, I can't so wait. I- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Chance, thanks for coming on and uh, thanks for doing what you're doing and uh, thanks for uh, raising a uh, a great family full of wonderful kids. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Really do. And we'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf. Each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Check out everything that Chance is doing on eBay and uh, give him a holler if you need anything done. All right, for music, uh, John Ferraro, drummer, friend, pipe smoker in the Mutual Admiration Society. Uh, We're going back to that album. If you haven't checked out the whole album, it's on Spotify and iTunes and all those other places. Download it. You'll love it. Uh, this one is with uh, Steve Lukather, and it's Baby Please Don't Go.
And again, that is the Mutual Admiration Society with uh, John Ferraro on drums and uh, featuring Steve Lukather on guitar on that track. Read the mail! Read the mail! Read the mail! All right, in the mailbag, comments or questions, email me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. Just like uh, Casey Ghost said uh, last week, uh, it was a fine, if somewhat uh, repetitive show. Nice to be hearing that we will be getting a new forum. Please tell me that it comes with a better way to load pictures than the current one. God, it is awful. Music was okay. And then Kevin said, yes, there will be an easy photo upload feature. And then Voorhees says, always good to hear from the elusive Kevin Godby. Congrats on the 10-year anniversary. Anxiously awaiting the new updated website and easy photo upload feature. Music was good and close to my heart. Well, there you go. You win some, you lose some. Uh, And then Ira, the writing rabbi, says, Good show. The article was very interesting, but I kept waiting to hear if the author was pro or anti-pipes more definitively. Uh, Great to hear from Kevin. Congratulations, by the way, to Kevin for 10 years of PipesMagazine.com. Not a fan of the music, and the rant was good advice. But I have a concierge, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Really looking forward to the forum facelift and easier photo posting. Finally, I was sad to hear that you might not make it to Chicago as I'm trying to put things together so that I can attend for the first time and would have looked forward to meeting you. Uh, Still up in the air anyway. (laughs) Good excuse, though. Congratulations on your daughter's upcoming graduation. And uh, just to update you, I will not be at the Raleigh show, which is uh, April 6th, so don't miss that one. Raleigh, North Carolina. And then uh, the Chicago Pipe Show, May 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th. Um, trying to work out a way to get there for most of Saturday and all day Sunday and then get back home. Um, and then, of course, if you have any travel-related questions, email me, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. Got a lot of stuff going on, so I'm uh, really happy and kind of busy with it. And this will be the final plea for any donated items for the JDRF auction to benefit type 1 diabetes research. If you have anything, reach out to me and let me know. All right, rant time coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Cords, cords everywhere, cords, cords, cables, adapters, I don't know what the hell you call them, but everywhere I look there are cords for old chargers, old cell phones, old connectors, old headphones, old this, old that, and the worst part of it is is I can't throw any of them away. I'm really having a problem with it. I've got a ton of old coax cables laying around in a box in the garage and I can't get rid of them. Why can't I get rid of them? I don't know. I might need one somewhere down the road. Um, Old cell phone chargers, old RCA stereo connectors. I've got cords all over the place and I just need to get rid of them. And so I'm starting the process of throwing away old stuff like that that you just don't need. I mean, so much technology has changed in the last 25 years. Why do I have enough uh, stereo old RCA cables to hook up about, oh, I don't know, um, 12 VCRs and a couple of speakers? Why do I have it? I don't have any of that stuff. All of our speakers are new Bluetooth. No cords allowed. But what do I do with them? I keep them. Uh, cell phone cord, cell phone charging cords, and plug-in adapters. Yeah, I actually keep those because we do tend to wear those out. But the whole world is turning into cords, cords everywhere, and I don't need to have them all sitting around here. 
All right, we're going to wrap this up because this show ran long. Just when I thought, you know, I'm trying to trim them down a little bit. Well, here we go again. Another long one. Um, want to thank uh, Steve Davenport for the question. Uh, Jeff Grasick, check out Jay Allen Pipes or Allen Brothers Pipes. And uh, thanks to Jeff for coming on and doing another Ask the Pipe Maker with us. Thank you to Chance Whittemore for taking time away from the family and from work to spend some time with me. And thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Looks like you're stuck. Can I give you a hand? No, Gilligan, you can't give me a hand. But I would appreciate it if you'd put your neck right in there.